Welcome back to the Toledo Matters Podcast. This is episode five and your host, Bob Tucker. Hi, everybody. Uh, again, we're without Danny today. He's not feeling well. We're uh, hoping he gets better soon. Uh, today, we have an interview with uh, Sarah Otney, who works for uh, OneMatters.org and Veterans Matter and uh, previously was the editor-in-chief of the Toledo Free Press. Uh, I think it was a pretty long, interesting interview, and uh, I'm not going to take up too much more time in this introduction. But uh, Nate, do you have anything to add? I don't think so. I think we can jump right into this one. Again, we have Sarah Otney, and uh, without further ado, here she is. There was just two guys with, with guitars, and then they, they would loop the I just the have riffs. friends that do it. I'm kind of like lame now and don't really do anything in the music scene, but I have a lot of friends that do still, and, yeah. and some of them are into that. Yeah. So. Are we recording yet, Nate? We are. All right. All cool. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I wanted that on there. So uh, I guess I should introduce who we're talking with today. Today we have Sarah Otney. Hi, Sarah. Hello. And uh, unfortunately, Danny could could not make it today. He's under the weather and we hope he feels better. Um, Everybody wish him well on his Twitter account if you're following us. Yes, yes. Which will be like three weeks from now and he'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully. All right. So we're recording this on the 15th. Hopefully this will be... If, we're, if, we're, if we get back on schedule, hopefully it'll be out next week. But next, yeah, next, yeah, next week Friday for sure. Um, so, uh, Sarah, for those of you know, well, I guess let's start. Where, where are you from? <laughs> Originally, yeah, I'm yeah. from O'Carver, Ohio, which is in Ottawa County. Yeah, east of here. You know, I was just uh, I, I was just in a deposition with somebody. This is a tangent, but <laughs> uh, the opposing attorney, his wife, uh, just had her like 40th high school reunion at O'Carver. Oh. And so, like, they're from North Carolina, and they, like, made the point to come here for that. And nice. it was a big to-do. So that, that, that's, I hear Oak Harbor, that's what I think. But It's you, a good little town. Did you go to school there, or mm-hmm. high school? Yeah. High school, yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, How far is that from here? Um, geez, I'm terrible at directions. It's about 30 <laughs> minutes. I'd say 30 to 45 minutes from so, here. Yeah, it's not too bad. Close, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, what did you do after high school? After high school, I went to college at Ohio Wesleyan in Delaware, Ohio. Yeah. And I studied English and journalism Yeah, and uh, played rugby there and yeah. worked on the student newspaper. And I was in a sorority, which surprises some people. <laughs> and then after that, I went to South Dakota to for a job. South Dakota. South Dakota. Sight unseen, basically. Never <laughs> been there. <laughs> they offered me a job at a newspaper and I went. Where in South Dakota? Aberdeen, South Dakota. It's Aberdeen. in the northeast corner. It's very cold. Okay. So whenever I miss it. I just have to remind myself how terrible the winters are. <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to remember my Dakota geography. Fargo is in North Dakota? Yes. In like the southeast corner of North yes, Dakota? Yes, very good. So, it's pr- actually only about a half hour from Aberdeen. Okay. All so right. I've, I've been, been to Fargo, Fargo, but I haven't been. Fargo is actually a surprisingly artsy, kind of cool city. Yeah, it was. I, I was. I only spent like a night there, but I had a really good dinner in yeah. downtown Fargo, kind of like a trendy, you know, new American sort of cuisine sort of place. My only experience with Fargo is the movie and, t- and TV series. So, <laughs> and the wood much chipper. different. I mean, uh, it's similar to that in a lot yeah. of ways, really. But. Yeah. So, okay. So, what was the name of the newspaper out there? Aberdeen American News is the yeah. name of the paper. And you're a reporter or editor? Or? Um, I was a reporter and a copy editor, kind of okay. split between whatever they needed me to do. It was a very good way to learn, yeah. you know, doing a little bit of everything. So when you say reporter, like you would go out into onto the scene or were you yep. like at, in studio reporter? 
like a newspaper reporter. Yeah. So I was out with a pen and paper taking notes and uh, just doing a little bit of everything. Cool. Yeah. What, what was your favorite story you reported on out oh, there? Oh, man. Um, Curious. What, what are the fun stories out in South Dakota? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of farming stories and a lot of pheasant hunting stories. So I learned Ooh, a lot pheasant. about those. Yeah, Brown County is very big in pheasant hunting. They actually have yeah. a, the opening day is like a town holiday almost. And people come from all over the country wow. to hunt out there. Um, I love pheasant. <laughs> Nate, Nate here uh, tries to hunt turkeys, with, <laughs> tries to hunt, tries to hunt turkeys with a bow. I have yes. a lot of people in my life who are hunters, but I have personally never <laughs> Thanks, been hunting. Bob. Could you um, say I'm a hunter, but that, that works. <laughs> I guess I would say my favorite story was um, there is an organization. I think it's based in North Dakota, but it's the whole region. It's kind of growing. It's called... Um, Oh, shoot. I just had it in my head and I can't think. Farmers, farm rescue. I'm sorry. Okay. It's been a while. You're, you're picking my brain here. Farm rescue. Yeah. And what they do is um, they go out to farmers across the, the Great Plains region who um, have had some kind of disaster, like a tornado struck their farm or a uh, injury. There was a guy that had cancer. There was a guy who was uh, actually injured by farm machinery and Ooh. almost lost his leg. It's actually very, there's a lot of people that die on farms. Yeah. Still. It's, you hear things about like, yeah, it's very dangerous. Grain elevators and yeah, silos and exactly. stuff. Yeah. So they'll go out and, um, plant their crops and or harvest their crops for them. Like the whole community kind of comes together and it was really neat. And, yeah, yeah. uh, everyone in, in the great plains and the Midwest in general, I think are very like, Oh, someone else has it worse than me. Like they don't want to ask for help, but they're right. so thankful, you know? Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's great. Yeah. So how long were you out in Aberdeen? I was there for three years. Yeah. Aberdeen's a great name, by the way. Just, <laughs> it sounds good when you say it. I, it's a good place. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed my time there a lot. It was interesting. The dichotomy between, uh, it's the third biggest city in the state. And yeah. so it was one of the major daily newspapers in the state, but the size of the town was like Bowling Greenish, like 25,000 <laughs> people. So you'd have these, we had these interns from, you know, Denver or Chicago who were yeah. like, oh, this podunk little farm town and stuff. And then there'd be the farmers and people that I would talk to for stories who didn't like to come to the big city and big like city. driving in town. They're like, oh, I don't know about this. So That's great. Cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you said it's one of the three big newspapers of the state. So were you reporting on kind of statewide stuff too? and or Somewhat. We did take a lot of state stories and local stories and localize it. That was a big thing um, yeah. that I still believe in is community journal journalism, community newspaper, um, uh, really localizing things. Why do I care? You know, someone sure. reads stories about something, something happening somewhere else or somewhere in the world or the nation. And they don't, they think that it's not here, but most stories are here too, here in Toledo or here right. or wherever. There's some connection. Yeah, that you yeah. can kind of say, well, how does that um, play into what's going on here? And, and um, is that same thing happening here? So we did a lot of localizing with that. A lot of, um, but a lot of very uh, local community journalism too. We covered the city of Aberdeen, the only newspaper there. So most people got their news from there. And then uh, regionally, you know, there's, I, I think that's where journalism really shines is that you can't get that kind of news story anywhere else nationally on your, you know, computer or anything like that. Right, so, right. And then there was the farming issue that I talked about. We had a uh, paper called Farm Forum. Yeah. That covered the, this vast swath of the like middle country. Um, and that, that kind of paid our bills <laughs> to be honest. So. Well, you, you gotta somehow sustain gotta yourself, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> 
All right. And then you said you're in Aberdeen for three years. Yes. Three uh, years. And you decided to get out of there or how? Well, it was actually a really hard decision because I loved the job, but I decided to come back to Toledo actually. Yeah. Um, I did a year of AmeriCorps here Okay. and I'd been kind of wanting to do a year of service since I graduated from uh, college. Uh, I actually originally applied to Teach for America oh, yeah. and didn't yeah. make it, which is, I, I don't know if I would have been good at it, but I do still really, you know, support uh, education equality yeah. and things we, like that. So. My wife did uh, not Teach for America, but a comparable program that's just in Chicago. Oh, okay. I think it's changed names now, but back when she was doing it, it was called uh, Inner City Teaching Corps. That's really cool. And, yeah. and it was just kind of... Catholic schools in Chicago and bad neighborhoods, basically. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, she did that for a couple of years and loved it. And ter- awesome. turned, you know, she had no education background going yeah. into that. And that's become her profession. Now. Oh, wow. Okay. Although, uh, I didn't realize that's how she got started. That's yeah. Neat. Yeah. And, and um, it was funny that they housed all their teachers in old convents in Chicago. So I'd go to visit her and she's living with, you know, six other teachers in this humongous convent on Cicero Avenue. It was, yeah. Sorry. That's, that's neat. No, I love digressions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is AmeriCorps? I, I'm sure that probably most people know. I, I've never heard Actually, of Actually, no. I A lot of people don't know. Um, it's sort of like the Peace Corps, but domestic. Um, so okay. there are lots of ways to get involved. You can um, build houses, you can tutor kids, there's teaching programs like Robert was talking about. Um, so there's a local Toledo chapter of, of this then? or well, It's, it's like a s- national thing, Yeah, right? it, it's a national program um, and different organizations will apply to have an AmeriCorps member come yeah. and they have to kind of say what they're going to be doing and it's very federally regimented yeah, it's, but <laughs> it's almost like applying for a grant yeah. for you to do mm-hmm. something so, for so what did you do um when you were doing what, what would you get stationed to do when you were doing it so there's two different sides to it you guys are really picking my brain here from, from old things here but there um there's americorps that's um kind of hands-on helping things like i said like building houses or uh, like a habitat kind of thing or right. tutoring children and then there is um, AmeriCorps Vista, which is, they call it capacity building was the buzzword. And you were doing things that were more behind the scenes, like training people or setting up programs that will continue after your year is over. Which arguably has some greater yeah. impact. I mean, the, I think so. I yeah. like that personally, yeah. um, knowing that it was going to continue on. But what I did was, um, I was an AmeriCorps, um, uh, Ohio Benefit Bank counselor, a regional counselor for this area, uh, or a regional community trainer was my name. <laughs> I taught the counselors. Um, and Ohio Benefit Bank is basically an electronic application form for different federal um, programs like food stamps and HEAP and uh, Medicaid, um, child care assistance, yeah. uh, all, all, all of those things, and also free tax filing. Okay. So I would train local social workers, local church volunteers, local anyone who wanted to become a counselor and yeah. help people through this program. I would train them on that. And I, I also did it myself at yeah. different events. So, so, so I learned a ton. <laughs> Again, I learned a ton. Um, my dad thought I was nuts because I quit a full-time job in South Dakota, which is kind of, it was insulated a little bit from yeah. the the crisis, the economic crisis at the time. And in 2009, I moved back to Toledo, Ohio. Um, and I also applied for some in Detroit. So he was like, oh my gosh, you're what crazy. What are you doing? But it all worked out because I'm back here and I learned a ton and yeah. met a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, so, so do you file your, your own taxes now? 
You know, I learn how to do that. I or? learn so much more. And actually, yes, I do still use Ohio Benefit Bank whenever possible. It's you can actually file your taxes free if you make sixty thousand dollars or less. So it's not really so it's not super low, low income yeah, per yeah, se. Yeah. Um, I'll probably always be low income, so I'll probably do this for the rest of my life. Um, but it's definitely nice for people to not have to take a sizable chunk of their income to pay someone to file the taxes when right. they have a very simple, you know, one W two kind of situation right. or something like that. Um, and also, uh, it, it's, it's sort of like the turbo tax kind of thing where it asks you all these questions and doesn't let you answer things incorrectly and kind of right. screens you for things that, that you may good. not have realized before. So yeah, yeah, it can definitely save people a lot of money then. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. That's great. And so you did that for a year in about 2009-ish? 2009 to 2010, I did it, yeah. yep. And then after that is when you went to the Free Press? Yes, or? yep. So how did you get hooked up with the Free Press? Well, I actually almost signed up for another year of AmeriCorps, but then I happened to run into Michael Miller, who is the editor of the Free Press, and just said, hey, this was my background, looking yeah. for a job. And he was a very fast hire, fast fire kind of person. Like, there was not really a process of applic uh, like of applying. He sure. just said, yeah start on Monday and we'll see how it goes and <laughs> show up at the office. <laughs> that's how it worked. <laughs> yeah. Four years. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. want to explain a little bit about what the free press, uh, was for people who don't know? Yeah. Okay. So the free press was, um, started, uh, in 2005 Toledo free press. It was a weekly, um, newspaper. And, uh, a few years later they started Toledo free press star, which was an arts and entertainment. Um, so it actually came out twice a week. Uh, for a number of years, and then it kind of merged back into the one publication the last few years. Um, and it was basically just very community-oriented, local, again, um, covering lots of arts and entertainment, but a lot of um, major kind of community stories and trying to dig in where um, other people hadn't yet or a little more in-depth or, you know, as a weekly format, it can be a little bit different than yeah. the daily news cycle and the yeah. TV 24 hours kind of thing. And I always thought that was the benefit, you know, that's the benefit of having multiple... Right. journalistic uh, uh, endeavors in a, in a town is that, you know, you have more people working on, on issues. And if one publication lets something fall through the cracks, another can, yeah. can go after it, which is why I am remain bummed out that <laughs> the free press is gone. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think that the more publications there are, the better for everyone. Oh, you yeah. know, yeah. there's just more eyes out there, more people out there, more questions being asked. Not any one uh, media entity can cover everything it's just not possible right. like the manpower is crazy you know and, you're working with fewer and fewer people and more and more things to cover and, so. and ultimately the people who keep you know government and corporations and other folks honest absolutely is the press you know i mean joe schmo citizen can do what he can on the internet and yeah. yell on facebook but make a podcast you know. <laughs> hey you know whatever but, well i i do not claim to any claim to journalism here but <laughs> definitely uh, we're just talking to people but no i, I and so it, it I always think, you know, the more robust, robust press, the better. But I mean, I agree with that. I'm kind yeah. of idealistic, but I think yeah. that you, you do need that, you know, at least to try. Sure. Yeah. Someone, if someone knows that someone's looking, they may, you know, do they something may act differently, differently or, yeah. you know, just it's important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, so what was your first position with the free press? Were you a reporter or did you go right into editing? Or? I was a reporter. Yes. Yeah. I did actually some proofreading and just kind of a general assignment, um, contracted freelance kind of reporter, sure, yeah. um, doing whatever they told me to, <laughs> basically. 
All right. And so um, in your time there, I'm sure you wrote plenty of pieces and stuff. What was the yes. favorite thing you wrote? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. You're killing me. Um, <laughs> it's not favorite, just like maybe really memorable. Yeah, it would be interesting to talk about. Juicy story that you worked on. <laughs> well, this isn't... Um, well, I um, <laughs> The first one that comes to mind is actually Brian Hefflinger dying. Okay. He was yeah. a 18-year-old... Ottawa Hills high school student who was killed in a car accident. He had been drinking. Right. Yeah. And so it's not, and it's not memorable in a good way, but it was, it was very heart wrenching to cover it, but, um, but it's very memorable, I guess. And the reason being is that, you know, if you're not familiar or you don't remember, this is a kid who was a graduating senior, you know, it was at February in the year he was about to graduate. He was about four point something student, you know, yeah, like top yeah. of his class kind of kid, um, good family, good neighborhood, going to college in the fall. And, and so it just really struck the neighborhood uh, yeah. and the community, you know, made very few mistakes kind of kids. Right. Not that, you know, that's means that he shouldn't die more than anyone else, I guess. <laughs> but, it, say, but it, it surprised people, I guess. What right. You're absolutely. Yeah. 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 Really, it, it struck the community and it's rewarding i guess or kind of to look into something like that and to to cover it and try to show who he was as a person um in light of the way that he died and things like that i don't know i'm not explaining it very well try to just get it make other people not make the same mistake yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what what's come out of it um his parents you probably know have kind of started this um foundation called brian matters and they they're very passionate speakers about uh, teenage alcohol use. Yeah, yeah. However, at the time that I talked to them for this story, they refused to talk to me. They were yeah. very angry and sad and hurt. And of you know, course, two yeah. days later, I yeah, completely yeah. understand. But yeah. they hung up on me. They made me cry actually. Oh. And um, <laughs> they're just really mean. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I've talked to them since, and yeah, they're, they're yeah. very nice. But at the time, they wanted me to, and this actually comes into to journalism. They wanted me to to leave out the fact that his blood alcohol level was so far above. They said, I'll talk to you if you promise not to say anything about alcohol in the story. Ah, yeah. And obviously you can't really do that. It whitewashes <laughs> it. It is what it is. I said, you know, the story is about him. I, I will talk about the accident. I will talk about the alcohol level, but it's going to be like one sentence, you know? Yeah, and yeah. It's not meant to dwell on that. And this is a few days after. Yeah. Um, and in the end, I, I talked to his friends. I talked to his teachers. I visited the accident site. Um, it was very emotionally draining sure, to cover yeah. something like that, um, but I'm I'm happy with how it came out. And in the end, his parents did link to the story on their website. Yeah. So I guess I feel sort of indicated that I did a good <laughs> job of covering who well, he was. You know, when your child, I, I imagine I've never been through it, but oh, I can't imagine when you're losing a child and and so you know talking to somebody so shortly afterwards, you're still dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean that's understandable. And it's very yeah. conflicting to me as a journalist. I'm maybe a little bit too nice to be a journalist, <laughs> um, but everyone has their own skills and you kind of have to use that. And mine yeah. was always just, you know, being very understanding and talking to people and, and kind of digging into the more observing of things, I guess. I would think you get more information being nice than being I I mean, I found right? that to be the case. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, but no, I mean, people are more likely to open up with you if, if you build a rapport with them. and, and I right? agree. Yeah. I think so, too. Um, but what I was thinking of when I said that was that I actually went to um, uh, the Ottawa Hills High School basketball game a few days later. His little brother was actually playing basketball, and his parents were actually there to watch, which I was surprised. Yeah. And 
I did not go talk to them. Right. Um, but Michael Miller, my editor said that made you a good person, but a bad journalist. And I was like, I don't, I don't really like that. There has to be that difference there. And, and he's obviously a little more, anyone who's ever talked to him, he's a little more hard nosed, a little more, (laughs) but, um, you know, everyone to each their own, I guess. Now, when I first met you, I think you were the managing editor of the paper. I believe that's true. Yes. So when did that switch happen? What What does a managing editor um, do? What did you do there? That. So after a little while of being just a kind of general assignment reporter, I became a special sections editor. Okay. And that meant that basically anytime there was a special issue, whether it's back to school, whether it's mud hens, uh, opening day, whether it's a health section or a senior section or anything that like a topical kind of section that newspapers do, yeah. I was in charge of um, organizing that writing the stories, assigning the stories, making sure there was art for everything, kind of tying it up in a little bow and giving it to <laughs> the editor to, to do it. Yeah. Um, I did that. And then I became the managing editor, which is basically the same thing, except there's more things tacked onto it. Like sure. it's more of that same assigning and managing for the but whole for like paper, every not issue. just the special sections. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, it was actually a very, I, I really enjoyed being a managing editor because there wasn't um, the pressure of having like a vision or guiding the entire thing. You were just kind of the second in command yeah. person that did all the hard work. It's like the workhorse, yeah. you know, there's, there's an editor that has the vision and the plan and then the managing editor basically implements it. Does right? it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the, the editor in chief, which I was for the last six months of the paper was more of that overseeing of everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was stressful for sure. I mean, the whole profession is stressful to be honest. And I'm kind of introverted. So the whole thing is like a huge stretch for me talking to people constantly, like jumping and running. And I'm, I'm very flexible and fine with chaos now. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So then you were the editor in chief at the end and, and, uh, what were your thoughts? It sounds like you maybe liked the managing editor job, maybe a little bit better or no, or Um, it was a it was a little bit less stressful as sure. editor in chief just because you're more telling other people what to do I guess <laughs> but it was also stressful in its own way because you're kind of responsible for the whole thing the whole thing you know right, and yeah. my name was on it and I think that people were watching it both because I'm a young woman for better or for worse and also because Michael had been the founding editor right he'd been there had a long guided time. it yeah. from the start for nine years and uh actually 10 years really and so kind of a new person in any uh any especially like a small startup kind of thing like that you're definitely like whoa it's a huge shakeup when it comes to the end of the of something like that so i was very conscious that people were watching it kind of expecting it to fail almost because like (laughs) oh michael's leaving michael and the free press were very synonymous sure yeah uh, i had worked extremely closely with him like his managing editor workhorse basically for you know two or three years and so i i feel like we he was kind of my mentor, you know what I mean? And so yeah. I basically just implemented what he had been doing the whole time. Um, I was getting my feet under me, I guess, and, and yeah. kind of trying to establish myself as my own editor. Uh, it only lasted for six months, unfortunately, after right. I took over. So I feel like I didn't completely get a chance to to go with it as much as I wanted to or, or kind of grow with it. Yeah. But I am very proud of, you know, I, I don't have any regrets about yeah. things that we did or, or anything yeah. like that. Was there... Well, I, I know it ended six months after you, you, you were editor-in-chief, but was there something that you didn't get to do that you wish you had? Oh, I have like a list of a story list? ideas yeah. a mile long. <laughs> and I just, some of them on there, I really wish we could uh, dig into the numbers and, and yeah. kind of more um, 
broader, bigger things that I wish that I would have had time or, you know, what's an example. What's a good example you could share. Oh man. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh geez. Actually it's been like almost six months further. You made me think, (laughs) let me come back to that one. Yeah, no, that's fine. It'll be in the back of my head. There was, I know there was one that I was just thinking about the other day, actually. Oh, I know. I know one. Yeah. I really wanted to, uh, go find all 26 or 27 people that had lost their homes when the um, Collingwood Arts Center got rid of its artist in residence program. Right. right. Mm. It was very controversial. Um, and I did write a story about that with the new executive director who right. kind of explained that, um, um, that it was kind of crumbling and falling apart and the boiler wasn't working. So it was, yeah. it was not a livable condition at the time. Yeah. This is January, February, uh, double digit below zero kind of, right. you can't live right. in those conditions. So they ended up basically kicking people out of their homes in the middle of the winter. So that was the controversial part. People felt very so upset it's, it's by that. So it's too cold to live in this building. So we're going to kick you out <laughs> well, into the street. Yes and no. I mean, they did give them a little warning, but it was kind of like they wanted to do it and they were moving away from that um, as a model for the residents, but right. they were also, it just kind of, the boiler thing kind of pushed it right. uh, a little bit closer than they wanted to wanted to give them more time um so uh, of course some of the residents were understandably upset by that and so sure. i was very curious no one ever really followed up that i saw as far as what happened to them yeah, were are they, they now up? okay did some of them you know di- did someone die in the streets i mean i hope not i, I can't imagine that would <laughs> sure. probably have been covered but yeah. did they have to move in with their family did they did they get back on their str- on their feet did are they stay they... in toledo did yeah they... exactly yeah. i want to know what happened to them are they still making art right you know that was another thing it, have to it, take a day job at mcdonald's or something yeah, right? yeah so yeah. i really really wanted to do that but it, it, it would have taken a little time obviously to, sure. to track everyone down and just never got to it. So yeah. that was one that was on my list. And I hope someone listening out there will take it upon themselves yeah. to do it. You know, I, I have a little bit of experience with the Calgary Arts Center. I, um, I'm in the Gridiron Show, which oh, I, yeah. I, I don't mm. think we've talked about on the podcast yet. But it's a the third Wednesday in May every year. Everybody mark it on your calendar right now. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, a comedy show written and performed by lawyers at the Valentine Theater. And I think you went last year. Yeah, right? so it was yeah. my first time, actually. Yeah, it was a good time, It right? was fun, yes. So we do all, before the week of the show, when we do dress rehearsals at the Valentine we do all of our uh, practices in the couple months leading up to the show at the Collingwood Arts Center. And historically, well, we used to do it at School for the Arts, but then they said we couldn't have beer there anymore. So then no. we, that, that, that was basically work. Sense. That basically <laughs> kicked us out. And then uh, we went to the Collingwood Arts Center. And originally we were in their basement, which is dungeon like. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but it's. Yes. That I place have. is just full of nooks and crannies and yeah the, you could get lost yeah yeah they have I, the haunted tours too have you done that i haven't but it sounds yeah. really interesting i i've yeah i haven't done it either i'm kind of curious about it but i could definitely see how heating that place yeah it would be a gigantic challenge yes definitely. Um, yeah anyway sorry that so um okay and then the free press ended yes why did the free press end um well i mean my first inkling of an issue was probably about a month before it closed. Yeah. Um, I mean, my side of things, obviously the, the end of any business comes from the business side of things. Right. I'm not really part of that. There, in most newspapers, there is a very distinct church and state separation between the business advertising side and the editorial side. Which makes sense because you don't want the your advertisers to influence what you cover. Yeah, exactly. So... 
I didn't have much to do with with really any of the day-to-day business side until I became the editor-in-chief. Yeah. And at that point, you're a little more involved because, you know, my office is now right next to Tom Pounds and, you know, we have to talk a little bit about yeah. that with, you know, paying writers and things like that. So sure. I had a little bit of a more glimpse into the um, the financials of it solely on the editorial side as right. far as paying the writers and the photographers and editors and things like that. Um, so about a month before it closed, we were kind of the main people working there were told that, you know, this is um, kind of sooner or later going to close. It's no longer sustainable, yeah. which was totally, uh, totally a shock to me. I know, I guess being a small kind of upstart business, you're always a little bit on the edge. And, right. you know, I knew that that was for, you know, years, but it always kind of came back, you know, something always happened. Sure, and, sure. and I was honestly just focused on writing, editing, filling the pages that are given, right, given to me every week. That's yeah, all that yeah. I was really concerned about. Um, so at that point, I guess it just became kind of a week to week thing. Going to do another one. Yep. Going to do another one. Yep. Yeah. Going to do another one. <laughs> and that's also its own stress. You know, <laughs> I right. want to know one way or the other, is this going to like well, be, be, be hard that would kind of prohibit you from doing kind of longer term you know, honestly, I just stuff, kept right? doing it. Yeah. Um, my philosophy was just business as usual until I'm told otherwise. Yeah, so, good. and I, I, I wanted the content to remain robust and interesting because sure. it's a catch 22 kind of, if you pull back on content, then less people are reading it, less people are advertising. And it. it's just like, it's the snowball. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So I just, I just kept going basically until I was told otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I know about it really, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So is there something that's filled that gap in Toledo? Like, is there something that filled the whole of the community kind of newspaper? Um, I, th I think that the free press was really its own beast in Toledo. Yeah. Um, the daily, the blade, the, um, the city paper, the arts and entertainment, there's several podcasts, you know, like this and, and the <laughs> different radio shows and they all have their own little niche. But I think that the free press was, um, I thought it was its own little niche as far as being a weekly and being um, very community centered as far as we did, we did a lot of um, the paper delivered to your home too. Right? Yes. Which is, I mean, some people like that. Some people don't. We got well, a lot of hate mail about that too. But, but. <laughs> I think that's important because that, that yeah. if you just have it on stands at businesses, you're who's really reading it, you know? Yeah, I guess. It, I mean, it depends. You, you have to do a little bit of everything and catch people where you can, but yeah. I guess I was always proud of the fact that we um, supported a lot of uh, nonprofits and a lot of events. Yeah. Um, maybe before, I got, I'm not taking credit for them, but <laughs> at the same time, we did kind of step up and support people uh, as almost a fellow underdog, you know what I mean? Right, and, yeah. and fellow people that are concerned about the community uh, and want to see it be better. Before they were really accepted or before other people well were, were willing yeah. to step up and do it um that includes restaurant week toledo yeah we were the support uh, the sponsors of that for three year four years actually um and toledo pride yeah for four years also and both of those events are huge now right right and you know everyone wants a piece of that and everyone's all about that they're actually turning people away from it because it's so popular now and sure and so i'm really happy that the free press kind of came on early with that when they were still struggling and when they really needed a voice. And I can even remember, you know, smaller examples of that. Like, for example, I remember a story about Jam City. for with, Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Jam City, too. Yep. Uh, which we talked about when Sam Eldon was here. I, I mean, that that's not as big as Restaurant Week, but I remember 
reading, you know, a, a decent sized article about it in the free yeah. press and thinking that was pretty great. Yeah. Um, all right. So what, what have you been doing up to since, uh, free press, free press closed? Well, first of all, I took a little time to just decompress. <laughs> Justifiably so, I Cause think. Because I had been running like crazy, you know. Like, I don't think I took a vacation <laughs> in four years. And uh, so my brain was a little bit like yeah. crazy. And I I mean, like I said, with I had a, I had a little bit of warning, only a month. But, but that's a little bit much. of warning. It doesn't yeah. sound like it was like we are closing in a month. It was, hey, watch No, out. it was very back and forth. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we tried so hard to keep it going. You I'm know, sure. this was not something. We actually... We had, there was someone on Facebook that said, I can't believe you guys are just giving up. And that uh, just made me like, oh, we are not giving up. You don't know how long and right. hard we have fought for this. Right. Um, uh, the Facebook commentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I tried to kind of take that with a grain of salt. But it, it, it's frustrating to see that, that I hope people saw how hard we fought for things and that it, it was not meant to come to that. I mean. Of course not. Yeah. Um, but. I guess even having that warning, I thought that I was mentally prepared, but it's still a huge blow when something like that closes. You know, it was, it was a small company. So there was probably about 10, 10 nine or 10 full-time people yeah. plus freelancers. But that core group right there was really a family. I mean, most of them had been there for at least half of the paper yeah. and some of them from the very beginning. And so when the actual hammer came down, which was like, that was like that morning, it was like, yeah okay, we're closing today. Boom. And a lot of people found out that day. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, it struck me more than I thought it was going to, I guess. Yeah. I was both sad and mad. So did, do you know if everybody kind of landed on their feet or hopefully? Um, as, as far as I know, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people that have, have, um, started writing for other publications. There's a few that write for the city paper now. Yeah. Um, there's one that writes at the mommy mirror. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some freelancers that are around. Um, other people are kind of doing more like uh, graphics, um, communications kind of jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. What'd you do to decompress anything interesting? I or, watched or just... a lot of Netflix of and course, yeah. hung out with my cat <laughs> on the couch and <laughs> kind of got excited when, uh, a press conference was announced that I didn't have to run off to. So um, what's your favorite show on Netflix? <laughs> um, at that, at the time that the free post closed, I was watching a bunch of um, the home remodeling kind of shows. Even though I don't have a home to remodel, I think it's fascinating, you know, what people do. And of course, sure. it's like quick, 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 boom, boom, boom. It all happens beautiful in the course right. of a half hour episode, right, no which work. obviously isn't real life. But it's just really neat to see uh, kind of the restoration of a trashed house to something gorgeous when you yeah. have thousands and thousands of dollars to knock right. out walls. And right, right, right. Yeah, my wife watches too much of those shows. She's like, well, why can't <laughs> we just make our basement look like this? Exactly. Um, well, Money. Yeah. <laughs> Money, a lot of work I have to do that I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. She's going to hear this crap. <laughs> so it's, it's some, let's talk about rugby for a second. Yeah. Um, we're friends on Facebook and I see a lot of rugby pictures. <laughs> So. Yes. Okay. So I started playing rugby too. That yeah. was actually, it started just before the paper closed, but, um, but then I had more time to devote to it, I guess. So yeah, I think you mentioned that you played in, in college. Yes. So this wasn't new. No, not new. Yeah. Um, actually there's been a men's team in Toledo for 40 years, oh, the wow. Toledo Celtics. Not everyone knows about that. Um, really? and then the women's team, uh, first started about 12 years ago. Someone started it and it kind of has been on and off for yeah. that amount of time. Tried to restart it a few times, um, not me personally, but someone has tried to restart it. Sure. And then the most recent iteration of it 
started this past March. So I haven't even been around a full year yet. Kind of trying to build up a team. Yeah. Um, we're about 10, 12 girls that come regularly now. You actually need 15 for a team. So um, for, for a standard 15s match, there's also other things like 7s and 10s, which sure. are just as they sound. You play with 7 and 10 players. Yeah. So we, we, we steal players from the other teams, and we just do what we can, um, just getting the word out. And it's super fun. I did play in college. I missed it like crazy. It's been yeah. nine years since I played it, so it's a little bit rusty. <laughs> but and now I'm old. <laughs> is this like full contact rugby or? Yes, it is. Men's you, and you women's. Don't seem both have like the, same. the typical rugby yeah. size. Well, people are always surprised by that, but I'm tougher than I look. <laughs> so, but I mean, if you're saying you're looking for people, you know, is is the average yeah. girl going to be able to come out and do this, or is this something you've got to be pretty ba for? Actually, yeah. Well, of course, you have to be BA, but <laughs> anyone can do it. Um, it's 18 and up is what we have, and um, every body size is needed, every fitness level. We work on your fitness, and not everyone has heard of or ever played rugby before. Okay, so we that, was, have a, that was my next question. We have yeah. a lot of brand brand new people. It's mostly in the attitude. If you have the attitude to learn and you have the attitude to <laughs> kick butt, then you're going to be good with us. <laughs> Wait, what's the name of the team? It's also Toledo Celtics. Okay. So we have a Facebook page called Lady Celtics Fans yeah. um, where we post pictures and schedules. So if anyone wants to check it out or message us if, if you want to get involved in actually playing or coming out to see if you like it. Where do you guys play? We play at uh, Sterling Field, which is 99 Center Street. It's off of City Park, right. off the trail. Okay. Um, it's pretty near downtown. And there, it's a little bit, it's kind of a, a secluded little field. You might not notice that it's there. But. Is that something yeah. people can just come and watch for free or... Yeah, it's it's free. Um, there's usually someone with beer or burgers there. Um, I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about in the show, but oh, anything. beer and rugby kind of go hand in stuff? hand. Um, the women's next game is November 7th. Um, it's always on a Saturday. Yeah. The men, I believe, play pretty much every Saturday for the next few weeks. So you can come out. You, so Check you, if they're home or away, though. They have a Facebook burgers, page, Burgers, beer, yeah. and rugby. I'm in. Yeah, I, I know very little about bit very little bit about rugby. I've watched a little on TV and kind of understand a little, but then I forget it because then I don't watch it for yeah. six months or something. Yeah, but yeah. Isn't there like the Rugby World Cup going on right now? Or there is. Yeah. Yes, I have a friend from Scotland who is posting nonstop <laughs> really? about okay. the Scottish rugby team. Yeah. Do you have a pro fun. rugby team that you root for? I root for Ireland. Okay. Actually, um, I'm Irish originally, my heritage, I guess. So I guess that's why. But I, I will honestly watch any rugby team any yeah. day. It's I love finding it on TV. Actually, just seeing seeing yeah. it. Most people that have never seen it before will be like, "What is happening?" <laughs> like Robert just said, you know, there's a lot of roles that people are like, "What?" Yeah. But there's always someone. People, rugby players and rugby fans are always super enthusiastic about explaining it they'll answer any questions that you have sure and it's very it's it's my favorite sport that i've ever played just because it's very um there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of support and if you meet a rugby player you're probably going to like them because you're you just know that you know <laughs> that you love something that not a lot of people know about so right. you see them with a shirt on and you're like hey <laughs> yeah yeah so i like that how do you feel about um australian rules football i've been hearing a lot about uh, that's that that's different, right? But I don't know anything okay. about that, to be honest. What are they I mean, saying? they're just like watching it and they're like buying oh. jerseys and all this stuff. And I'm like, what are you oh, talking man. about? People in the States yeah, are watching like, All these guys I know are you know, getting into this. The games are three in the morning. So they're inviting me over to drink beer <laughs> at 3 a.m. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you gotta work. 
I yeah. can't handle that. I, I had a friend in college who studied abroad in Australia, and he fell in love with Australian rules football mm-hmm. while he was I there. I think it's hmm. similar came to back rugby. Raving it's, kind about of a, it. it's kind of a mesh okay. of football and rugby kind of mixed or something like that. I, I'm not sure. Dang, I guess I'm going to have to check out <laughs> something new. Yeah. So you said your next game's on November 7th. So yes. do you guys play about once a month? or is it? Well, we since more, we don't have enough players for a full team, we're not completely part of any league or like like we don't have a full schedule like most teams will play every saturday throughout the fall and the spring and the summer the summer is more like um sevens tournaments which are shorter faster only seven players per side um that's actually going to be in the olympics this year sevens rugby so you'll be able to watch that in the summer olympics um but so our games are kind of just set up whenever we can get a team like on their off week or when we just have a friendly kind of match and so ours are a little bit scattered right now you don't have very much equipment for rugby right there's basically just a helmet and cleats there's actually not even a helmet you need a mouth guard and cleats (laughs) awesome (laughs) and that's all (laughs) all right and um i had a question i lost it but all right, so you're you're doing the rugby, which sounds like a lot of fun, and I know you're also involved with something else now. Do you want to talk about this One Matters Veterans Matter thing? Sure. Yeah. So um, my job now is working with um, One Matters and Veterans Matter nonprofit here in Toledo. Mm-hmm. I do their website, social media, kind of communication stuff for that. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton going on right now, so I'll try not to talk your ear off about it. But no, it's fine. That's what we're here for. <laughs> right now, um, the next thing up is ten city which you may have been to before uh it's been going on in toledo for 26 years yeah uh this year's is october 23rd through the 25th and and what is tent city tent city is a homeless advocacy kind of awareness event Uh, we basically set up some big white tents downtown on the civic center mall and just hang out all weekend it's food and haircuts and um warm clothes um social services medical services Saturday, the 24th is the biggest day for that. It's called Project Connect. And that's when all these social services, all these medical services will come out. Um, and people just kind of go around and and find out all the things that they need. And then also, it is about those physical needs, but One Matters is more almost about the emotional needs of people to just right. feel like the One Matters comes because everyone matters. And you often don't know who's there as a guest, we call them, or a volunteer. Everyone just kind of sits down and eats together and talks together and hangs out for a whole weekend. Okay. It's really neat. And if somebody wants to find more information about either organization or Tent City, where would they go? So you can go to our website, onematters.org slash Tent City. You'll go straight to the Tent City stuff. Um, You can read all about what we still need donated for that. There's a lot of food needs that are still donated. We just finished a big clothing drive, but we'll still take more clothing. Um, And... There, there's a whole way, whole ton of ways that you can get involved as far as setting up. You can help serve meals. You can help sort clothes. We have um, one of the neatest ways to get involved is uh, it's called a guide. Mm-hmm. And each guest who comes to partake in some of the services will be paired up with a guide yeah. who actually takes them around one-on-one to make sure they don't get lost, to make sure they don't miss something, to just make make them feel like they're seen and heard. Yeah. And um, so that's one of the volunteer opportunities. You can see the whole list online. 
just stop by if you want to just hang out and yeah, see. Yeah, so but... the, this episode will probably go up on the internet next week. Okay, like so Friday Friday that, maybe. So, oh, no, No, it, it'll be right before. Oh, okay. Friday. Yeah. So. Well, you can definitely sign up still. I'm sure there, there'll probably be some open spots still on Friday or just show up and we'll use you yeah. or just show up and eat a meal. You know, you don't you don't have to volunteer. I'll you try to get this out, out early next week so we can have some time for people to, to, to yeah, do well, that. Yeah, so we'll try to get out before Friday next week and okay. people can hear about that. Awesome. So. Um, now, uh, we first met in leadership Toledo. Yes. It was fun, right? It was. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Little kind of, um, field trips to yeah. learn about things. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's, a an, an organization that takes, it's both adults and kids, the, the adult side, which is what we did. Um, I think they take about 40 people now Yes, and, uh, it's how many months was it? Like Five I think months? nine, actually. Nine, it was nine months? Wow. I think so. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> and you have a meeting each month and you do fun stuff and learn things about the city and, and opportunities in the city and, and people doing interesting things in the city. Um, do they have so a website? That's my uh, leadershiptoledo.org, I imagine. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, we'll, try to, we'll try to drag <laughs> in Dave or something at some point. Yeah, that's, you should. I'd like to do that. Um, and then uh, do you live in the city of Toledo or... I live in Oregon. Oregon, across the river. Exciting city yeah. on the bay. <laughs> I think. I think that. I think it that is its tagline. Its name yeah. For the um, the Ohio State national championship. Oh, yeah, remember? That's, I that do was remember. Kind that. of interesting to yeah. live there during that. It, what was it? It was something about. The, oh, it was long. It was I some something beat the right ducks. Now. Blah 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 blah. It was like a long. I, I know what you mean. Oh man. Because they they didn't want to be Oregon <laughs> for the ducks. Wow, well, I can't believe it, I'm spacing. It was like the it, its little tagline is "City of Opportunity," so it, it had a long yeah train. You can find it on the Googles. I, I the story I wrote for that for the free breast got picked up by ESPN and Sports I Illustrated that. and all yeah. this stuff. That was yeah. actually really cool. I'm like, hey, I'm a sports reporter now, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, have you ever been to Sunny Berry's Bayside Supper Club? I have not. Is that good? It, it, it is pretty good. Awesome. It, <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I messed up the name. Sunny Berry's Bayside Supper and Liquor Club. Man, all right. <laughs> it's it's basically a seafood restaurant on, on the on the lake out there. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if it's in Oregon or East Toledo technically, but it's mm-hmm. near how far there. is that it's, from us, Bob? From where we're sitting today in Westmoreland, it'd probably take 25 minutes nice. to get there. Yeah, I, I think it's the best. Well, I rarely get to go to good seafood hmm. places because my wife is a complete anti-seafood. <laughs> the only seafood she'll <laughs> eat is shrimp tempura. That's it. <laughs> well, it, it, it's a real kind of low-key sort of. It, it's not a fancy place. It's but got it's good, really good, good food. fresh fish. That's the best. Yeah. So, if somebody from out of town came to you and said, uh, "What should I do in Toledo? I'm here. What would you say?" How would you sell it on? And Toledo area. Is this someone that's totally new to Toledo for the first time ever? Sure. Sure. Okay. Because then I would go more to the the standard things that you should see. You know, there's tiers to this. You know, if you're here for one day and you have to just get a glimpse of Toledo, here's what I do. If you're a little more like adventurous or or you're a native, or maybe not a native, but someone who's been through here, but coming back, there's other things. But I would say the major ones that a very first timer should just get the flavor of the city would be one, Tony Paco's, Mm -hmm. because it's famous. And there's a hot dog. uh, Jamie Farr. Buns. Yeah, all that stuff. You you have to know your mash references. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We had these interns at the Free Press who were wee children, who had never heard of mash, (laughs) never watched mash. It was just tragic. (laughs) So that would be one. Um, I would say the museum Mm -hmm. is kind of 
cliche, right. but it's free and it's amazing. Right. right. Um, I'm not a baseball fan, but I would send you to the Mud Hens game because you, it's yeah. a cool stadium. You go there, not Seriously. necessarily. You go there to drink in the yeah, sun. Exactly. Very exactly. little about the baseball. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, they, they do these marketing surveys. Actually, I talked to them again for a story once. Yeah. I learned so much that I would never have known before um, that actually 50% of people that go to minor league in general, but Toledo baseball, don't care or know about the score <laughs> or you know, yeah. know who won even. Right. So I guess... Well, what those about, would be my top three, and those are those are kind of cliche and boring. I apologize. Well, so, Probably everyone. That's fine. That. So, what about the other people? What about the people who maybe live here and just like your hit? Where's your hidden gem? Yeah, yeah. Oh dang! So you guys need to prepare me for these questions. Maybe I need we to, should like, send so emails to the people. This. I don't know. I think it's been I going guess. good. Just putting people on the spot. It's, I like it's it. Better. Yeah, yeah it's better. <laughs> you, you get their honest. Although people are going to start listening to our show and they're going to be like, "Okay, I'm ready now." Well, then we'll have to change the question. That's all. I like thinking about things. I don't like on spot, but that's okay. I understand the game. Like no, I do. I like to write things out. It's much more eloquent. All of this is going to be like blah. Well, that's the point of our podcast. Eloquent. I know. Into this, this stuff. We're not speechifying here. Uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> hidden gems. Okay, let me think about this. So, really, it's about that next tier that you were talking about. I know. Well, yeah. I know that there is one, but you have to give me time to like think about this. <laughs> maybe even something that you do regularly that maybe uh, you know other people might not know about or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me think. So, I love Pearson Park. In okay. Oregon. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe one of the lesser known or lesser cared about of the metro parks, but sure. all the metro parks are great. Um, it's beautiful there, yeah. and I run there all the time. Um, it's close to home, that kind of thing. You've made it officially five I think for er- five. Officially, yeah. Every guest we've interviewed <laughs> mentions the metro park. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is great. I will <laughs> give it that. I wonder what the when we get somebody on from the metro parks, what they'll say. <laughs> yeah, well, Metro Parks. Don't. They definitely won't mention the Metro Parks, I will guarantee you. Yeah. Um, there's actually, while I'm on a park kick, I used to live in Rossford, and there's yeah. this little park in Rossford called Island View okay. Park, which is teeny. I don't even, I don't think it's a Toledo Metro Park because it's in Rossford, right. but it's like a, a city park, I guess. Sure. Anyway, I lived there for about a year before I even knew it was right next door to the apartment <laughs> complex, but once I found it, I went there all the time. It's this, it's just a one, it's tiny. It's one mile trail that loops like crazy. Yeah. And I loved it because I like, well, the reason I like Pearson and the reason I liked Island View is I am so easily lost. <laughs> I cannot run. I refuse to run by myself in Wildwood okay. because I will get lost. I will zone out and end up somewhere in the middle of the park <laughs> and end up running like 10 miles to get out of it. Sure. So I like that Pearson has the one three mile loop around the outside. Yeah. You just stay on that trail and you're done. And then this one had a 1.1 mile loop that uh it's almost like it's very hilly some sure. of my friends didn't like to run with me there because it was hilly but it's right on the mommy river gorgeous views and they actually have these little exercise machines yeah. at different points which i didn't really use but uh you can get on this little bike and you're actually looking out over the river with like squirrels how That's cool awesome. is that as, neat, as opposed yeah. to like yeah. being so in a like gym a, you know what yeah. i mean like an outdoor exercise bike that doesn't you know, go bad with yeah. or anything like that? No, I apparently huh. not. I don't know how they yeah, hold these wondering. things, but it's a little bit squeaky, I guess. Maybe I'm not sure if they WD-40 come out. WD-40 guy comes out once yeah. a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they have little stations. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll email you and you can add oh, this, I didn't know about that. Uh, That's cool. I like when the hidden yeah. gems are something I've never heard of. I love that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, uh, thank you for coming in. Oh yeah, no problem. I really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, Good luck with 10 City and everything else. Thank you. Definitely. All right. And this has been the Toledo Matters Podcast. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. This has been Episode 5, and we hope to see you guys next time.